Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And coming up on today's show, another blast from my radio past. Todd Wright, who held down the afternoon drive sports talk slot on WGTO back in the mid-90s. He will join us to talk about his latest ventures, his latest podcasts, and, of course, the state of Tampa Bay sports. Some interesting thoughts he'll have for you there. He's in the virtual green room and will join us in just a moment. Meanwhile, Troy Aikman, you know, I thought it was great when he uh, snapped back at Doug Gottlieb when he was uh, giving a terrible take on Andrew Luck's sudden retirement. Troy busted him pretty good, and and I said, you know, I want more of that Troy. And he has now delivered. The Atlantic Kansas City tweeted Monday night that Patrick Mahomes has thrown 36% of Troy Aikman's career touchdowns in about 8% of the games. To which Troy replied back, Talk to me when Mahomes has 33% of my Super Bowl rings. <laughs> oh, we've got to get more of this on Fox. Because he's just kind of like meandering along on Fox. This is good stuff. And, you know, I'm sure Troy is not trying to minimize Patrick Mahomes' accomplishments. He's, you know, certainly lighting the world on fire. But, and I guess, you know, the Atlantic's trying to show the volume of the statistics that are being put up now. But the comparison to Troy Aikman, it's two different eras, two different styles. It's not apples to apples. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's slow the roll on the Daniel Jones induction into the Hall of Fame, please. (laughs) Nice game in his first start for the New York Giants, accounting for four touchdowns in their victory over the Tampa Bay Bucks. And again, he had a nice preseason. It's only one game, and it's against Tampa Bay, so let's take it easy. New York... Sports media will have him on top of the world. But there's a long season still left to be played and lots of things still to happen. You know, how many times have quarterbacks gotten off to great starts and, you know, they either fizzle or they level off? You know, Dante Culpepper is a guy that comes to mind. Was putting up maddening numbers in Minnesota, but his knee injury changed everything. So before we enshrine Mr. Jones, let's see how things go the rest of the season. That said, the rookies are making some nice marks so far. Under center, Kyler Murray has flashed some promise. Gardner Minshew has played very well for the Jacksonville Jaguars with the stash. And did you see him in his jorts in Washington State? <laughs> well, you know, you got to say the guy's got a lot of guts if he's going to wear that kind of stuff. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Mr. Minshew is doing a nice job. You know, was Nick Foles' team and goes down to game one, everything. Oh, my God, we're doomed. But Gardner Minshew has uh, done quite stellar work up in Jayville. My pleasure to welcome to the show a former colleague of mine at uh, WGTO back in the 90s. And uh, he went on to do some great uh, work nationally on the sports radio scene. Todd Wright joins us. Todd, thanks for being here. Jeff, 
It is terrific to talk to you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, it's great to have you, and uh, you've got uh, your hands in a lot of things these days, and one of the things we'll touch on first is your fantasy football podcast. And, um, you know, as we're about to hit the quarter point of the NFL season, would I be going out on a limb to say that the quarterback injuries and changes are having the biggest impact impact on fantasy football? Yeah, it's not usually this heavy. Um, sure, there's normally one real significant quarterback injury in the first month of the season, but we've had four to five times that. We've had um, a number of things happen that have made people adjust their thinking at the position. I would imagine that there are a number of people that in week three, if not week two, benched the quarterback they drafted to be their QB1 uh, and put in their QB2, especially if it was Lamar Jackson or it was Dak Prescott. Um, Myself, in one of my many leagues that I play in commission, uh, I benched Baker Mayfield in week three in favor of Josh Allen. It was the right decision to make. But there, Jeff, are also ripple effects as a result of these within those quarterbacks' own teams. Uh, Owners that drafted Juju Smith-Schuster as a wide receiver one, expecting him to inherit the targets that Antonio Brown left behind when he left Pittsburgh. It didn't happen right away. And then Ben Roethlisberger goes out for the year. Michael Thomas owners are worried that they're not going to get anywhere close to the wide receiver one value that they drafted because Drew Brees is out roughly six weeks. And um, so, so there are cause and effect as it relates to these, not just within who is your fantasy quarterback and are you playing him or not, it has an instant impact on other players on those respective teams. Even Christian McCaffrey was a victim of Cam Newton's problems in Week 2, having an awful game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and McCaffrey probably drafted either second or third overall, rarely had a game with that low of a floor back in 2018. And are there any surprise players to you at this early point of the season? Yeah, um, actually, there are a number of them. But, Jeff, the question is, how much staying power do they have? Mm-hmm. Um, just give you a, a rough percentage. In week one, in the league's I commission, which are standard scoring, non-PPR, some modified scoring as it relates to uh, I curb kicker scoring, and I do not use a mandatory tight end. That all said, 12 of the top 15 performers in fantasy points uh, in week one were either players that were sitting on people's benches week one or they were undrafted free agents. So one of my podcasts was, okay, acknowledge this, but they're not all immediately worth you destroying your draft board to make room for them. Some won't have staying power. I questioned the staying power last week of Austin Eckler, who obviously has been the beneficiary of a ridiculous holdout from Melvin Gordon and through the first two weeks was one of the top producing running backs in fantasy football. My advice was think about moving him soon. I'm not sure he can take the pounding. 
He's going to continue to fumble in key situations. And Melvin Gordon is probably going to return in week five or week six. Now, whether he plays immediately is another story. Eckler in week three did not score. It was almost purely Keenan Allen doing the scoring, who's having a huge year at wide receiver for the Chargers. Um, but the point being that Eckler dropped off after those first two weeks. Sammy Watkins, Jeff, had a huge week one. But in Kansas City, as great as their offense is, it's frustrating to fantasy owners if you don't have Mahomes or you don't have Kelsey. Because with Tyreek Hill out and Kareem Hunt gone to Cleveland, everyone else is next man up. It's kind of like people with the Patriots, um, even in the Gronkowski era. You knew Brady was going to get his, but you weren't sure who was going to get the bulk of the work other than Brady. And that still exists with their multi, multi-faceted backfield and at the wide receiver position where they've gone in and out of a deal with Antonio Brown. So the Chiefs have become like that, but that's the wonderful nature of fantasy football in trying to predict these things or plug and play in the right situations, which is always why you want those, those players, Jeff, that have the high floor. Maybe they aren't as explosive and as, as some of these other guys, but you want the high floor. You don't want a week where you have a zero or a one-point or a two-point game. So the consistent guys are always going to give you six, seven, eight, nine points, maybe even ten a week. That's what you want to find. You want volume, mm-hmm. even if you don't get the explosive numbers every week. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my fantasy strategy, which you're going to think is absolutely crazy. All right. <laughs> um, as you well know, uh, I am a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. And I'm playing in two leagues, and I've been playing, you know, in leagues often, you know, off and on for 20 years or so. So I don't draft anybody in the NFC East, and if anybody on my roster is playing against the Cowboys, I bench them. And I've won two or three titles. You know, granted, it's you know not I'm, not I'm not contending every year, but I have a hard time separating the fantasy from rooting for my real team. Do you ever find people have that struggle? Jeff, I respect what you're doing. And, you know, I'm also a Cowboys fan. Yes. Um, what I often say about my philosophy is, and there, I think there's something to be said for what you're doing, and there's something to be said for what, what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, my minimum on any of my fantasy teams, my minimum number of Cowboys on that team is one. Mm-hmm. One. That's it. And here's the reason why. Um, first of all, I don't think it's smart to heavily invest in two, three, or more players on any one team. Mm-hmm. That said, if I have two, three, or more Cowboys on my team, and the Cowboys have a bad week, then my fantasy team has a bad week. I like to have two teams to root for, Jeff, every Sunday. Yes, The Dallas Cowboys... And my fantasy team. Mm-hmm. And if I keep them separate, I can. And I don't go as far as you do um, in not drafting other players. Now, honestly, I've had no reason to have any player on the Redskins yet this year. <laughs> I do own Saquon Barkley in a league where I had the first overall pick because that was the sensible move. I know he's hurt, but that was a sensible move. And I did plug and play Nelson Aguilar last week simply because Wentz didn't have any other receivers to throw to. So that did work out. But here's what I do, Jeff. 
I don't look at who my opponent has playing for them until the Sunday night game starts. That's when there's only two games left in the fantasy weekend. By then, my opponent may be done or just have one or two, maybe three players left. So all Thursday night and all day Sunday until Carrie Underwood sings, (laughs) I don't know who my opponent has against me so I can just watch the games as they are. Okay. But yeah, and I also do subscribe to the theory. I, I do keep my, my cowboy participants on my team at a very minimum as well because uh, I do subscribe to that theory. Yeah, if you have one, if you go all your eggs in one basket, it's often going to turn out bad for you for sure. Um, before we get to some of the other things you're doing in the podcast world, your your golf tour I want to talk about a little bit. I wanted to uh, swing through a few of the things Oh, since you're based over in the Tampa Bay area. Um, just wanted to like give you some quick synopsis of some of the things going on with the uh, teams in that area. So we'll start with the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Can Bruce Arians get this thing turned around? And is Jameis Winston ever going to be the quarterback they want him to be? No and no. Uh-huh. I have a lot more respect for Bruce Arians than I have for Jameis Winston. But Bruce Arians retired from the game. Some of it was health-related. Some of it was age-related. Some of it was probably motivation-related. I don't really know what changed other than Arians wasn't really good in broadcasting. (laughs) I think he thought he'd have a lot more opportunities and exposure there, and it wasn't there. And the little bit he got was probably going away. So he was bored. So he gets back into coaching, but Jeff, he, he's not even really the head coach in Tampa Bay. He's more of a team president putting things together and jumping in where he feels he needs to jump in. That's the reason he brought in Todd Bowles, because he feels Todd Bowles got a raw deal as head coach of the New York Jets. So Bowles, to me, is kind of the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then, interestingly enough, the the Glazers wanted Arians to call plays. He said, no, I'm not doing that. Okay. So, again, lending to my theory, he's not really the head coach. He's always called plays. But late in the fourth quarter against the Giants, Arians took the play calling away from Leftwich and then jumped in. So, it, also, Arians has total control of the roster. Jason Light didn't draft the latest failure of a kicker. Bruce Arians did, because he also has a son who's really into kickers, and he also had uh, Chris Boignol, former Cowboy, as a consultant, and they said Gay was worth that fifth-round draft pick. Well, doesn't look like he is. Two missed extra points and a key missed field goal in a Week 3 loss to the Giants. So that's my thought on Arians. And Winston, to me is not going to get better. The excuses that keep being made for this young man who just, I think, turned 25, uh, after they grow old after a while. Mm-hmm. I think he's already peaked. How many more times do you say, well, we'll get him somebody else to work with him, when the common denominator is actually him? And I think Jameis Winston just has a lot of problems that he can't solve going forward in the NFL. Turning to the college side, University of South Florida, 
do you feel Charlie Strong is on the hot seat? Does he have something to prove? I contend that not not only does he need to get the program reasserted in the right direction, I don't think they can afford to lose any more ground to UCF. Well, they've lost a lot of ground to UCF in the last couple of years. Um, Charlie's contract is interesting, Jeff, because when they hired him, they got him at a major discount the first two years because of the offset language of the Texas deal. So Charlie was basically being paid by Texas, not only not to coach Texas, but to coach USF that ended this year. Now USF is paying the full tab and they're paying the full tab next year and the year after that. I honestly, Jeff, don't think USF expected Charlie Strong to be here by the third year. Mm. I think they looked at it realistically and said, we're going to get him at a huge discount because he still wants his Texas money. He's going to come in here, win a lot of games. The Power Five is going to call again, and he's going to go. He didn't go. He either didn't want to go, or he didn't get the offer he expected, and now things are trending downward for him. So I don't think USF expected him to be around being paid $5 million a year. Um, and I didn't think Charlie um, expected that it was going to be this difficult to win uh, at USF after having some success that first season. Because it is bad with USF, and I don't know that it gets better anytime soon. Turning to baseball, What's what's your whole take on the Rays situation, the, the lack of attendance, the proposed sharing with Montreal? What in the heck is going on there? We don't have enough time. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's a really it's a really bad situation, and it's worse the closer you get to it. Um, I think Major League Baseball and Stu Sternberg made the decision a while ago, they simply don't want to be here. I think the $900 million stadium idea in Tampa, specifically in Ebor, was a dog and pony show. It was never, it never had a chance because MLB and the Rays didn't really want it. So now it's a case of where, how can this end? Because it ultimately is going to end. And I just wonder <clears throat> if the mayor of St. Petersburg, Florida, at some point says to Major League Baseball and to Sternberg, if you want to leave, why don't you just leave? But you're going to have to pay us to get out of the lease. And baseball has a lot of money. A lot of money, Jeff. Three players made nearly $1 billion in free agency this last offseason. Three players, mm-hmm. Trout, Harper, and Arenado. So baseball could buy its way out of that lease. St. Pete could benefit from the Rays moving because the economic impact is not there. It is not going to be there. I'll tell you a quick story. Saturday night, I went up to a... Uh, I hope you don't mind. I'll just say the name of the restaurant. The Wing House, which is just south of Raymond James Stadium. And I was in there to watch college football, have a couple of beers, and enjoy my Saturday night. On about one of every five TVs was the Rays game 
over in St. Pete against the Red Sox. And the Rays are pushing for the wild card. Mm -hmm. The Rays won on an 11th inning walk-off. No one, Jeff, I'm not exaggerating, no one in the restaurant noticed. Wow. Not a single employee, manager, or customer had any reaction to the Rays winning in walk-off fashion against the Red Sox in the heat of a, of a mid-September playoff race. They were all doing other things or watching college football. That's where baseball is in the Tampa Bay area right now. And you have to really give a great testimony to the team. You know, this is almost like the movie Major League got no support, and here they are. <laughs> well, I think a number of guys on the team, they know that they've, even, they've either been given just a great chance to play and make money somewhere else on their next contract, uh, because most people don't even know who, who's on the race. So many guys are on one-year, two-year, maybe, maybe if they're lucky, three-year deals. I mean, Jeff, we're very far removed from that Rays team that went to the World Series and lost to the Phillies, where you could name a lot of the guys that played the various positions. They were household names, if not in Tampa Bay, but with baseball fans nationally. You can't do that now with this team, which is why I think it's a little easier on those guys to just go out and play because they all think they're in a temporary situation anyway. Mm. So let's turn over to hockey, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, what do you see as uh, they're about ready to embark on the, the next season? Well, the, this couldn't happen fast enough for them because of how they fell on their face at the uh, – at the end of last season. Mm -hmm. There never, Jeff, never has a National Hockey League team um, had the league MVP and the Vezina Trophy winning goaltender and win the President's Cup and not win a playoff game. You have to go back to predating the original six in the NHL to find that. Wow. It's about 90 years. So for the Lightning to write that off as a fluke or for the owner to say it happens all the time just shows a lack of accountability by an organization that got punched in the face and still doesn't know what hit them. Mm. And they run television ads now sort of apologizing and acknowledging what happened. But I'd rather remember when Tebow apologized for the loss to Ole Miss and he stepped to that microphone and he just passionately and spontaneously spoke mm -hmm. and said, this will not happen again. Mm -hmm. Those words are actually on the outside of the stadium now in Gainesville. No one with the lightning did that. They hid. They ran. They had no explanation. And look, they're still a very talented team, and they're a good organization. And they brought in a couple of guys with some St. Louis roots um, uh, to help the culture in the room. Because there was always a question here, Jeff, even before what happened to Columbus, that whether it was John Cooper or Steven Stamkos or others in that locker room, this team never had enough want to. Kind of reminds you of those 90s Atlanta Braves, who broke through once, did win one World Series, but many said, is their approach too business-like? Are they not emotional enough? Do they not care enough if they don't win? There are a lot of questions about whether or not that exists in Tampa Bay with a very talented hockey team. 
Well, besides the Fantasy Football Podcast, you have a number of others. Also have your Todd Wright uh, Golf Tour. I want you uh, to tell me about that as well. So uh, why don't you give me the rundown on all the things that Todd Wright is doing these days? Well, when I retired six years ago, after 17 and a half years of doing national radio, some people very close to me just said, find something you like or you're going to get bored. And I like golf. So I started playing more and then I started playing in tournaments more. And then I started looking around at some of these tournaments and I saw things I thought I could do better and thus launched the Todd Wright tour. Uh, I hosted my first golf tournament back in October of 2015 and I was confident, but I didn't really know where this was headed. Everyone left, shook my hand, told me they had a good time and said, when's the next one? So I've been hosting next ones for four years. (laughs) I host my 21st event on Sunday, and I'm booked to host my 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th through July 2020. And the 25th event, Jeff, is on the Copperhead course where the PGA Tour players play for the Valspar Championship. That's how far my tournaments have come. I have a lot of people, some who knew me from radio, some who don't. And they appreciate what I do for them, and a lot of local businesses support me as well. I'm very passionate about it. In the meantime, I never thought I'd do podcasts, but as you and I learned, they're kind of easy to do, and a lot of people like the convenience of them. So the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast launched four years ago. Then shortly after that, I started doing a, uh, a Tampa Bay Lightning playoff podcast. I obviously did a lot of those podcasts in 2018, not so many in 2019. (laughs) Then this year I launched the Todd Wright Podcast, which is anything I want to talk about. It's basically like the old days of the sports drive, but in a podcast where I can just open it up, do an audio file, talk about whatever I want. And then there's a specific fantasy exclusive matchup every week called the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast Bucks Bulletin. No one does this. I break down the Bucks and their opponent every week solely from a fantasy standpoint. So that's a 16-episode podcast every season. That is awesome. And you said the sports drive, and what many folks might may remember is you know before 24-hour sports radio uh, took place, that you were actually the very first guy to do afternoon drive sports talk in the Orlando market. I'm very proud of that. So thank you for saying it. I know you remember it because you were one of the people that gave me the chance to do it. Yeah. And And I'm still deeply appreciative of the opportunity that you gave me at that time. Uh, I returned the favor by doing virtually anything else you guys wanted done at that station, working behind the scenes, uh, covering magic games, loved your magic pregame show. I did the opposition position where I always talked about what the visiting team brought that particular game, and we were on the air at some times when the Magic were pretty damn good with some really good players. Um, Had a lot of fun doing that show, and yes, it was the first afternoon sports talk show in Orlando. And honestly, I'm not saying it was the best ever afternoon sports talk show in Orlando, but I still get in and out of Orlando a lot in those last 20 years. I haven't heard one better than the one we put together on that station. Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun when we worked together, and uh, it was great to, you know, because you, you've been a mainstay in the Tampa market for such a long time, and, you know, we 
had the opportunity to have you come work for us and it was like boy that was a no-brainer for me i mean <laughs> if if i made one great decision as a program director you were it <laughs> very nice of you to say that it's also fortunate for me that that was at a time i could actually drive from tampa to orlando in about an hour those days are now gone unless i'm going to do it in the middle of the night yeah, or or get a helicopter. That'd be your only other chance to do that. Um, well, Todd, it's been great catching up. And uh, uh, again, uh, tell folks where they can uh, follow you and, uh, and and keep up with all that you're doing. Thank you again, Jeff. Um, I don't tweet a lot. It's more of a promotional vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people to pick me up on Facebook. I'm simply Todd Wright in Tampa, Florida. Or they can follow me on Instagram at Todd Wright 2019. And again, the... The two podcasts that I would steer most people to if they want to do a search on them and they're available where most major podcasts are distributed is the Todd Wright Podcast, if you don't want fantasy info, and then the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast, if you do want fantasy info. All right, that's outstanding. And Todd, we certainly appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with us. Jeff, thank you for what you did for me a long time ago and for bringing me back on your podcast. I enjoyed it. And I have to say that I am very blessed to have had the privilege to work with uh, two transformational guys in the sports radio business. Uh, Chris Russo in the 80s, Todd Wright in the 90s. You know, both very different styles, but both very, very successful. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, at the time, you know, you, when you're working with those guys and and my other colleagues would say the same thing it's like well this is great but how long are they going to be here (laughs) because you just knew they both had great things in store for them and um and i love todd's takes on the tampa bay sports sports scene and uh we hope to have him on every so often to uh chip in some of those thoughts with us here on the jeff allen sports talk podcast Well, I am uh, fresh off my five days in western Pennsylvania. Not the result we'd like to have seen for our UCF Knights in that tough loss to the Pitt Panthers at Heinz Field, but certainly glad I made the trip. Went up uh, last Thursday, caught some Pirates baseball when they took on the Mariners the Thursday afternoon at PNC Park, the most beautiful ballpark I've ever been to. I can't say I've been to every Major League Baseball park, but I've been to quite a few, and uh, that certainly is at the top of my list as far as the aesthetics and the beauty and the and the atmosphere. Definitely love that. Uh, drove back and forth between uh, Pittsburgh and Erie, Pennsylvania by buddy Keith Feeney. His, uh, his dad lives in, uh, in Erie, so we were uh, spending time there. And game day Saturday... Boy, it was warm. It felt like a game down here. <laughs> so I was like, man, maybe we can use that advantage. But uh, uh, tough, tough game for the Knights as they finally lose a regular season game. And, you know, I harken back. You know, people are kind of going a little crazy about the loss. And you knew they weren't, you know, going undefeated three seasons in a row is, is a monumental chore. So, you know, they're not going undefeated forever in the regular season. Before the 2017 season, I say, you know what? Over your next 30 games, 
you're going to go 28 and 2, go to two New Year's Six Bowl games, win one of them. How many Knights fans would have raised their hands and said, okay, I'll take that? Just about 100%, I'm thinking. Uh, speaking of the Knights, they have scheduled home and homes with Boise State and BYU. And uh, very nice that they're finally getting that matchup with Boise State. You know, UCF's kind of in the position that Boise was back in the BCS days. UCF is now the gold standard of the G5s. Uh, and Boise's not far behind. They're still a, a terrific program. And so now those two schools are uh, bolstering each other and getting on each other's schedule. So uh, that will definitely be something to look forward to down the road. As always, we invite you to subscribe. Go to jeffallensportstalk.com. You can uh, find the podcast platform of your choice to do so. And uh, definitely, we do appreciate it. And please, as always, we ask you to tell a friend. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer's Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at kramersalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E. LVE.net.